Hey everyone, it's episode 329 of This Is Whole Life. And this week, I love the ser- the sermon topic because I feel like if you've grown up in every den- any denomination, maybe every Christian denomination, this has got to be a question that everybody talks about. I have friends in other denominations and they talk about it, maybe not as fervently as we do <laughs> in the Adventist church. I think we have a little bit of the market cornered on this, but you know, is it just going to be Adventists in heaven? Is it just going to be Christians in heaven? Is it just going to be, and you can, you know, move the that uh, circle out as far as you'd like, but sheep in other folds. And I, I think we like to think that it's just going to be people just like us, even if it's not maybe even Adventists. It's like, well, why would other people be there? They're not going to be any fun. And then I think, <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know if I'd actually thought that ever before, Randy. <laughs> but, Randy. But, but hey, there's no judgment here for you. <laughs> well, maybe a little. Maybe a little. It might be a real uh, area of contention, actually, because some people would actually say just the opposite. Right? Yeah, more fun. Yeah, it could be. Well, you know, a lot of people, we, we like to, you know, congregate in circles of people like ourselves and we like people that think like us. So, I mean, could it be any fun if it was people that was unlike us? I don't know. Just something to think about. Well, tell your teenager that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so before we begin, this person is a regular contributor via text message. And so I'm not sure who they are. It is, uh, they are anonymous. Well, thank you, anonymous. But we like, we like you, regular anonymous. contributors. We like it because we kind of get an idea then. We're striking a chord here and there. And this came in, I believe, on Sunday. Bravo, Pastor Ken, is how it begins. So immediately. an excellent uh, text message so far. (laughs) So far, so good. So good. So they went on to say, the Holy Spirit spoke clearly and precisely through your message this week. This sermon should be shared with all denominations, starting with all other SDA churches. God sent his son to save all people, which means there will be different races, creeds, religious, and quite possibly atheists there. We humans tend to think we are the judge, jury, and executioners, and I'll interject and would only like people like us, but I'm not putting words in your mouth, that's Randy's, <laughs> on who will be allowed into heaven, just as we tend to decide who is welcome at the table. Yeah, going back to last Ooh, week, I, I like that. that. The I like reference the back. Back. That's a, tying it all this together. This is a quality listener. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's good stuff. All we need to do is look at our judicial system and see how many times we have gotten things wrong, really wrong. I am glad it will not be left up to us to decide who goes to heaven and who does not. My comment last week regarding we have all betrayed Jesus in some way or another, just like Judas, was to show that we do not know anyone, anyone's heart. Only God does. I believe God's grace can extend to those who take their life, as in Judas' case and others I have personally known. We do not know and cannot say who is saved or lost. It's just not up to us. I agree, Pastor Ken, that the Bible does not teach anywhere that once saved, always saved. You cannot accept the gift of salvation and then live a sinful life. As you stated, that even the devil knows Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you again for taking our comments and letting us ask questions. The podcast really helps me to learn and grow. My personal prayer is to love the ones I love, love the ones that are hard to love, and finally, to love the ones I do not know I should be loving. God bless. That's a good list of people to love. So basically, love everyone. There we go. You know, I was like, that's that's a good one. Love the ones I love and love the ones that are hard to love. I like that. That's hard. I like that. But thank you for that because I think that's Well, thank you, anonymous listener. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I like that. Thanks, Ken, mom. (laughs) (laughs) if it is my mom uh, that doesn't sound like the way she writes but it does sound the sentiment is there well even mom is clever enough not to give it away right there you go i gotta believe so all of this is coming around and and the question was and we're a great question series and we have another good one coming up this week but the question was if all humanity is the family of god and jesus tells us that he has sheep and other foals does that mean people of other faiths outside of christianity could have a relationship with God and be a part of God's kingdom. The thing that struck me and maybe always does in this conversation is the people that don't maybe know, I don't know how you want to define know, but haven't heard the name of Jesus. They haven't been maybe formally introduced via whatever kind of evangelism might be appropriate for where they live. And But why do we have such a problem with like the text that you shared backing up your beliefs as to why someone 
might be in heaven when we might think, ooh, I, I, don't, I don't know if that, that could be a possibility. Why is it so easy to disregard versus thinking that God might be, hey, I would really like everyone there? Hmm. So you're asking why why is it that people might think that God is less generous than possibly he is? Ah, yeah, there you go. I like we'll take Ken's definition for 200. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, I think part of it comes down to and everybody has their different reason for it, but I think that a lot of times it comes down to wanting to wanting to feel special. In other words, we want we want to feel like we have special knowledge. We want to feel like we're the ones that that are smart and everybody else out there is is <laughs> grappling for, for 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 it and you know it's one of the reasons why conspiracy theories do so well mm. um, is because people like oh I, I know something that everybody else doesn't know I'm I'm part of something that we're um, I'm special and I'm and I'm, I'm you know I'm I've basically got this secret knowledge that nobody else has access to that puts me on a level above others. And I don't think that people consciously do it, but we all have that desire to be liked, to be wanted, to be special. And mm-hmm. and so I think that that's part of it, that people are like, well, I have the truth, that makes me special. Mm-hmm. And don't necessarily, it's not that I don't want other people to have the truth, it's just I do, and therefore that makes me special. Hmm. I don't know. Jeff? No, I think I think that's where it, it, I think that's where it starts. I think we... We do have this idea when we're in class, we notice that we get attention from the teacher when your hand goes up and you're the one that's right. And then you start to realize, oh, it's the first hand that goes up that's right, that gets the attention. And I think I think those are those are really, really good pieces. I think another side to this is that there's something of a kind of a scarcity mindset. Like, mm-hmm. what if there's not enough? You know, what if there's not enough stuff to go around? Yeah. And so that scarcity mindset, I think, sometimes creates fear. And so I, I need to be that first person again, like Ken mentioned, because, you know, what if that number is pretty limited? Again, I guess fear just trumps logic then yeah. in that case, because like, where would we find that biblically? Well, where we come up with the fact that, well, there might not be enough for me when God has only ever proven time and again that whatever he decides to, he He gives excess, the five loaves and two fishes. It's like, hey, we got all this stuff left over. There was a scarcity, and then there was all this bountiful extra. Right. He's the God of the universe. How could there not be enough of anything? Yeah. I, I don't know why we keep coming back to that, but maybe it's like you said. It's Tim. a human nature thing. It's It's like even... Even when you know there's going to be enough, our human nature is to not trust that. And and I think some personalities more than others. But I think that people intellectually know that there's enough room in heaven. But I think that um, texts like that, you know, the road to destruction is wide and there are many that enter into it. Yeah. And and then Jesus saying that, the you know, the road to salvation is narrow and few find it. Um, you got 144,000 in, in, in Revelation that some church denominations want to take as a literal number, which ours doesn't. But you kind of have those things, and I think that people people are afraid because if if you're not part of the this small few that find their way, well, then that makes you part of the large group that's headed on the path to destruction, right? And so that's I think where the scarcity comes in. It's it's I've I need to be right because if I'm wrong. Then that means I'm lost, potentially, and everything that that I thought I knew. I, I if that's wrong, then I'm I, I could be I could be missing out on salvation. But how do you take those couple of texts? Because I agree, those that's a really good point. And like you just said, the road you know it's narrow. But how do you then uh, flip that from like Revelation that you had in the message seven? Verses 9 to 10, and after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. So, okay, there's the opposite of that. There's all these people from all over the place, and that should that should qualm a fear. I mean, how many people have been on the planet since the beginning of time? Yeah. There's still a vast crowd, two numbers too big to count, but we still—maybe it just—it's probably just the pessimism— the half glass, 
the glass half the half glass empty what <laughs> the glass half empty people <laughs> yeah easy for me to say um, we're wa- we're actually watching a uh, special on uh, PBS right now my wife and I are watching this Ken Burns uh, special on mm. the, on the Holocaust oh boy and um, it's interesting what happens when when you think that what you have is is going to be threatened and I think that you know, I like what God has given me and mm-hmm. I'm, and I, and I do appreciate the fact that I'm saved now. You know, there's that kind of mindset, but then all of a sudden you look and go, whoa, he's saving those people too. And you look at that and you say, that person doesn't look anything like me. That person doesn't uh, reflect what I thought, you know, God was all about. And so once, you know, God is no longer in your box yeah. and you realize that, He's, you know, he has a different face, that he's different than what you thought he should be. That is fearful. Mm. And that does sort of, you know, so when you get to that text in Revelation and, you, you know, there, I think I think John is, is very, very real in saying this is not 144,000. By the way, you can count 144,000, right? Yeah, that's not too many to count. And the ones that he's he's showing out there, he's saying, look— Start understanding that God's not just in your group, hmm. and and I think from every nation that's their way of saying, or that's John's way of saying, this is a God that goes that goes and transcends and reaches beyond what you thought He what would do. Think. So I think it's a very I think that's a great text. I'm glad Ken brought that in because it really paints the picture that God is so much more about saving beyond who I think he should save. A text that I thought about bringing in that I didn't, um, that kind of, I think, goes to the question you're, you're talking, we're talking about, Randy, that you posed, is the parable of the uh, guy who owns a vineyard and goes out mm, uh, to get yeah. workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes out early in the morning, and then he goes out later in the day, and at the beginning, early in the morning, he says, hey, come work for me, I'll pay you what's fair. And he basically says that to all of them, I'll come and come I'll pay you what's fair. <laughs> So at the end of the day, he starts off by paying off the the people who who came at the very end of the day. They come with like an hour left to work, and he gives them a full day's wage. And so, of course, the people who are at the very beginning of the day are you know they're they're like they're excited. They're like, dude, that's I mean, I, can, I mean, how, you know, what am I going to get? That's incredible, yay! And then they all get paid the same, and they're like, wait a minute, now that's that's not fair. And and the owner says, well. Didn't I give you what I promised? And if I did, how do you? What does it matter to you how I distribute what's mine? Mm-hmm. Um, that's and, good. and what? Why do you care if I'm generous with someone else? And, and that's really, I think that is actually how that parable. He says, "Why do you care if I'm generous?" Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting to me that that we all we will read that all story and be in agreement. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's you know, that's they they sh- they had no they should have they should have been okay with that. And every <laughs> single one of us knows. Every single one. Of us, there's not you can't tell me you wouldn't have been ticked off too oh, yeah, if you'd worked all day long and through the heat of the day and you know, Florida heat, you you get up, you start working cuz that's that's the part that you maybe miss is this isn't an 8-hour workday. This is sunrise to sunset. You know, so 6 a.m. to to 7:30 you're working. And the guy this other person comes in at 6:30 in the evening. <laughs> you've already been working for 12 hours and you're putting your 13th hour and you're like and then you see them get a full day's wage and you're like, "Yes, finally I'm going to get ahead financially because this guy's going to give me a, a lot of money." No, you can't tell me you wouldn't be ticked off. You'd be ticked off. And and I think that the truth is that we can all talk about how much we love God's grace, but sometimes I think we feel rather offended when God shows the kind of grace that he shows to others. And we're like, but wait a minute, but I, but what, I mean, I mean, it's not like I don't want them to have heaven, it's just less of it yeah. is kind of like <laughs> what we're, we're saying. Yeah. Well, isn't a little bit of heaven better than none? I mean that's well, exactly. That's that's, I just need more, and they can have that little better, and that's lucky them. So that's, <laughs> but that's the thing, and and we all, we all suffer with that. There, there are people that if I get to heaven and I see them in heaven, I'm praying about it. But there's going to be a part of me that's like, wait a minute, yeah, wait a minute. I know what that person, you know, I know how that person had negative impacts in the world around them, and so I think that 
what we have to all be amazed by is just the the grace that God has for each one of us, and to be appreciative, you know, of the fact that we had a vineyard to work in. You know, that's the other part of that story that I think that sometimes gets missed. Those people who were, um, you know, in the marketplace until six in the evening, six thirty in the evening. Those people thought up until six o'clock they were sure that their family wasn't going to have anything to eat that evening. They were seeing it in just wondering how they were going to feed their family, how they were going to make ends meet. The people who got up in the morning early, they had the satisfaction of knowing that, that right from the beginning of that day that they were going to have, an, they were going to get a day's wage. They're going to be able to take care of their family. That that would be taken care of. The other people in the marketplace throughout the day were sweating it out. They're like, Not I sure. don't know. I don't know if there's going to be food on my table. So we sometimes miss the blessings that God gives us through, I mean, we're blessed to to have the assurance of salvation, to not be fearful. If we are, and if we're not, that's the sad part of things, that we don't have that insurance, assurance, and we're just, that's sad, because that's one of the big blessings that God gives us for following him is just the feeling of safety. Yeah. That whatever's happening in the world, whatever's going wrong, that this isn't all there is, that there's something else out there that's better and this is temporary. And, you know, that's a blessing that we have, you know, we have a Savior that walks alongside us through these these events in our life, and yet we would somehow envy the person who's out there living a life without Jesus, who, who lives in fear of, of the future. I think we need to remember what really matters and the blessing it is to to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Well, I think a, a lot of that boils down just again to, you know, to fear and then maybe our hearts not being just right with Jesus in a way that we might think it is if we're holding on to resentment to someone who might get the same as us or maybe they would get Jesus questioning, why, why would do you care how generous I can be? And I loved the text that you gave for why I believe salvation is possible for non-Christians because there was some really Ezekiel eighteen twenty three. Do you think that I like to see wicked people die? And John one nine through twelve, and talks about how he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. And even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know the law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it, Romans 2.14. And I think those are the the ones that we overlook a lot. Again, just like, well, yeah, but I mean, they didn't have to do anything for that. You know, the thief on the cross, well, sure, that's taken the easy way out. And it's like, well, I don't think anything about his life was easy at all when, in fact, a follower of Jesus may not have an easy life. I think that's the <laughs> the other side that sometimes we believe that somehow it's going to be a little easier. And maybe we avoid some major pitfalls, but that doesn't mean that life isn't going to have its snares or its or its problems. But the the one that I wanted to go to, first off, don't miss the message because there was some I mean, all the all the the different texts and the quotes that came in. John Wesley I thought that was amazing, the story that you told there. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, everyone can kind of get on board with his stories, and that was that was amazing. And then you had a quote, Ellen White, from The Desire of Ages, page 638. And you can go back and, and uh, watch the message, listen to it uh, on our sister podcast, Speaking of Grace, just swipe up in the show notes. But at the end of the quote, she says, Though ignorant of the written law of God, they have heard his voice speaking to them in nature and have done the things that the law required. Their works are evidence that the Holy Spirit has touched their hearts and they are recognized as the children of God. I liked the biblical and then going outside historically to kind of tie it all together. And I don't think that if you had read that quote, how many people would have attributed that to Ellen White? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's people that know a lot more about Ellen White than I do. But I thought that was a, a really fantastic quote. That said, Desire of Ages. She also Desire says Ages. in Christ's Object Lessons, a very similar statement. Very similar? Yeah. Yeah, I I could have quoted— A lot more, I want to say <laughs> at least five or six other places where Ellen right. shares the same sentiment. And what I think one of the things that's important that I didn't get into— in the sermon that would have been fun, but I only have a limited amount of time is, you know, 
Seventh Day Adventists are are basically believe in free will, and and this whole idea is that we talked on actually has a lot to do with free will, whereas Calvinists believe in determinism and, and basically that God has determined what's going to happen, and God determined that there would be a Holocaust. He planned it. He let it happen. Didn't just let it happen. He planned it and made it happen. Mm-hmm. And that there is no free will. Whoever saved is saved because God has predetermined them to be saved. And so God, you know, God has the right to do what God wants to do because God is God, and and He just He does what He wants to do, and that's that. Seventh Day Adventists historically have been on a different Arianism, is is what we believe in, which was there's a guy named Jacob Arian who came up with this line of thought. I think he's he's Dutch. And basically he he came out with the the idea that there is free will, that that God may know what's going to happen, but that's not God making it happen. That's okay. God knowing what we're going to do, but not making us do it, not predetermining who's going to be lost and who's going to be saved. And so a lot of that it goes into our Seventh Day Adventist founding fathers and mothers, and Ellen was a big, 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 big free will Aryan theology believer, and and what that means is that um, she believed that people could make decisions for themselves, and that that they can have the free will to to make these choices and to choose. Wow. Um, life and anyway, so anyway, so yeah, there's a number of different quotes that I could have used from her. Growing up, I I felt when you were describing the uh, the Calvinism, you often, thought that's what it was. That Adventist or Calvinist? Uh, no, I, I I really, I mean, that's how the people around me, at least in my home church when I was young, that was the feeling that I got all the time was that you have free will, wink wink, but if God knows the beginning from the end, I mean, this is just kind of you're almost a, a pawn in the game, yeah. and that's. That, that's just not appealing in any way. Well, there's something very problematic for me about a God who claims to be love, but I don't really have the choice to love him. To love, I yeah. just have to because he's predetermined that I'm going to. So all I am is is basically a toy in God's hands to amuse himself for a couple thousand years, you know, or if I'm going to burn for all eternity, apparently I'm amusing him that way too. I yeah. don't know. And so for me, it's not particularly... Um, as I read through the Bible, it doesn't seem very grounded in what the Bible has to say about God being loving and not wanting the destruction. If because if you're if you're Calvinist and you read that passage and it says that that God doesn't want any to be lost but all to be saved, then you have to believe that everyone will be saved because God gets what God wants. Wants, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a it is a really mysterious way of thinking about God, but we can't completely comprehend him. But to think about God as risking, mm. it's no risk if yeah. he if he knows the yeah. end mm. from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, the last quote that I wanted to hit before we hit questions because we have a lot of them this week was from C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. The world does not consist of 100% Christians and 100% non-Christians. There are people, a great many of them, who are slowly ceasing to be Christians, but who still call themselves by that name. Some of them are clergymen. There are other people who are slowly becoming Christians, though they do not yet call themselves so. There are people who do not accept the full Christian doctrine about Christ, but who are so strongly attracted by him that they are his in a much deeper sense than they themselves understand. There are people in other religions who are being led by God's secret influence to concentrate on those parts of their religion which are in agreement with Christianity and who thus belong to Christ without knowing it. That's a lot in that one to unpack. And if you don't catch the message, I just I feel like growing up, that would that would have been something that would have had my mind just chewing constantly because it's not the Bible. It's not Ellen White who sometimes was used as a you know a club to keep you in line with whatever it was that we're taking from wherever we're taking it. And just the, the thought of all of that 
going on. And I, I just love it that thus belonging to Christ without even knowing it. I mean, that's there's just a lot in there to unpack. And so I don't know, that one just, uh, I've never heard that before. And that one has been the one that I can't get out of my head and I keep chewing over <laughs> and over. And I, I hope it makes you think uh, just like it has me, because it's been a lot of good things that was really good for my heart this week, so I hope it was for yours too. All right, let's get to the questions because this week we, uh, oh man, at least ten here. We have oh Ali- my. we have Alicia starting off. If Revelation says that by the end that God's word will have reached all the ends of the earth, where do those who have followed God by action and heart, but still claim to follow another God, fall? You know, Alicia, I just kind of refer you back. My philosophy probably is going to match up with with what I quoted from C.S. Lewis in The Last Battle, where C.S. Lewis basically has, you know, these characters that are they're metaphors for other things. And basically, C.S. Lewis says, look, you can't do something bad in God's name. If you're doing something bad, you're doing it for Satan. At the same time, you can't do something good in Satan's name. The two just they're they're completely incompatible. And so I believe that for me, if you're gonna boil sin down to anything, it's selfishness. And so for those those who live selfishly, whether they're Christian or call themselves Christian or not, that's not living for Christ. But those who live unselfishly, who are looking for the good of others who care about the things that are pure, kind, and true, that exhibit love, those people are living in the, the spirit and the character of Christ. And I'm glad that it's God that will make all these determinations <laughs> as the fair God. And I think that one of the really cool doctrines of the Seventh-day Adventist Church is the thousand-year, um, you know, the millennium that happens after Jesus returns and uh, before the wicked are destroyed, and that's when the books of heaven are opened up. And we don't just judge people, we judge God himself, and whether his what God did was just And we, before God makes any final decisions. And I think that's just, just, just goes, again, to the beautiful character of God, that God says, look, I'm, I'm, not, I, I'm not afraid to have you look through my paperwork. I'm not, I'm not afraid for you to rummage through the drawers. You're not going to find anything that you you be sure that I did everything that I could for these people who are lost um, before I make any final judgments here. And so at the end of all of it, I really truly believe that God is just, he is fair, and most of all that he, he doesn't want anybody to be lost. And again, that's not saying that people won't be lost, because they will. But that's not what God's desire. God's God's not seeing they're rooting against you. He's rooting. He's rooting for us. Not only is he rooting for us, he's doing everything he can to to give us what we need to make the decision for him. I hope that anyone that's listening that might be maybe a little confused about this because I grew up being confused about it. And what Ken just said in the question in response to Alicia's question was something again that I wish had been you know, told <laughs> yeah. and reinforced in me because you would see people that are like, man, these, these people are nice. They're, they're kind. They give, they help They're They seem to be really, really upstanding people. And it's like, but well, they're not Christian, so they must be going to hell. And you're just like that never computed. Like, why would this be a, a thing if God really was benevolent? And yeah. that, like, I want to be told. careful too, because I don't want to make it sound like we're saved by what we do, because we're not. That's not how we're saved. We're saved by the grace of Christ. All I'm trying to say is that I believe that those who are attracted to the grace of Christ, that are attracted to Jesus, if they haven't had Christ properly explained to them, if they don't, I just think that God has, and I shouldn't say I think, Bible says it. But what about the people who didn't have God or Christ explained to them properly? What if it was the total opposite of that? Because that's I think, where I believe God's grace comes in. I believe yeah. that God knows the heart, and God knows what people will respond to. Yeah, you know, it's this is such a. I, I think it's such a good question because we live in this kind of fear a lot. It's not just a worldview. Sometimes it's 
a bad parent <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or sometimes it's just bad schooling or maybe it's, you know, we all have this, you know, the say, oh, well, did I, did I get the right information? And I, I think that's where, you know, somebody I think brought up a question the other, or maybe, I don't know, that the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus, that's what I think the word comforter is so important is that Jesus says, I'm going to send you a comforter because Let's face it, we kind of go through life wondering where we're at a lot of times and in our in our own you know terms of who I, how I match up with relationships, what I'm supposed to do with my career, I'm you know, just on and on and on. And world in you know my world view is sometimes takes a back seat until all of a sudden I realize, whoa, am I a Christian or not? And then all that yeah. basic that basic side. and and I think what, I think what Ken was saying is it's it's even though it does sort of sound like a little bit like I'm saved by what I do we we aren't we get a chance to go back and see the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit works on everyone's heart yeah. not just a particular church or Christian or denomination the Holy Spirit is for all people and I think that's sort of actually what I was getting from Ellen White as well in some of her writings was the Holy Spirit impresses upon mm-hmm. our hearts and we get a chance to respond yeah however that that works out so i do think that there's freedom in that freedom from fear anyway uh, dustin asked what about john fourteen six? jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me yeah yeah kind of the same as what we were just talking about and well, me but- is also the holy spirit you have to realize that too. But what does it mean? To, I think you got to take that passage and ask yourself what it means. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. That's absolutely correct because if Jesus had not sacrificed himself, nobody could come to God. But because Jesus has sacrificed himself, all humanity is eligible to come to God now. And yep. so we tend to mm-hmm. read that through an exclusivist kind of language where you have to. You have to come to me, you have to know my name, you have to have been introduced to me in order for me to then take your name to God and go, hey, I, this guy is with me since uh, since he's come and talked to me. Read the text, just think about what it's saying, and look at it in the broad sense of what it's saying. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except for me. Absolutely true. If Jesus had not come to this earth, none of us could have salvation Period. The rest and of so, the conversation so, doesn't even happen. So no one does come yeah. to God except through Jesus Christ, but that doesn't mean that the person in China who's never known who Christ was, but whose heart would absolutely resonate with Christ, mm-hmm. won't be able to experience salvation too, simply because they were wrong, born in the wrong time, the wrong continent. I wonder why we we're so bothered by a generous God. <laughs> I wonder why we want to narrow it down and basically say, you know, really only a a certain small percentage of the planet has any hope of salvation. These are like literally any hope of it. Right, yeah, yeah. Over over history because you know, and and God's okay with that. God's like, well, the rest of you, you, you real, you're barely human. Maybe you're not even really human to me because you were just born in the wrong place, the wrong age, the wrong time. But I think we have to. To me, when I read that text that Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," I believe all of that. He is the life. Anybody who gets eternity, it's because he gives them life. He is the way. He is the way to the Father. And I think we just have to to understand, though, that it is that God offers us a big opportunity as opposed to a small window to try to crawl through. Maybe even an opportunity that we might not look at when people talk about, you know, that the his name will go out to the world, and maybe some of those places where people like mention you know, may not even know that they're worshiping him or that they're, like you said, like they're resonating with him and that they know him on some level through nature and through other people that have 
experienced things that you can't explain, but you know that there's some reason for it. And, and, you know, maybe you don't call that God, maybe in your culture, maybe you don't call that, you know, Jesus, or there's not that, uh, that correlation, but maybe the same, maybe the same power that we feel when we go out into nature, knowing that something had to have created this just because it's too grand to not be something that was created for us. But Okay, Jahimi asked, why should I be concerned about the salvation of others when I myself may be lost? Shouldn't I be more concerned that I get to the new heaven and earth for sure? And, we then, actually and then go the other. address this question in we the did, service, but right? I actually had somebody come up and give me a better answer than the one I gave. So I'll go ahead and, <laughs> and say that I'll just use what they said. And I wish I could remember who it was so I could give them the credit. I can't remember who it was. But basically they said it's, it's like on an airplane. The little safety briefing they give you if the <laughs> cabin loses air pressure, put on your own face mask first. first and then help the person next to you. That's good. Um, so, yeah, do you should you worry about your salvation? Absolutely. Here's what I would say, though. Um, uh, my friend Lawrence, uh, who is uh, helping me uh, get back in shape a little bit, so he's my brother from another mother, but Lawrence... We were working out the other day, and he was he was giving me a hard time because I I don't I I'm bad about breathing when I'm when I'm lifting the weights I kind of hold my breath right. He's like you got to breathe in, you got to breathe out, and and keep in mind uh, you know I'm the pastor, <laughs> Lawrence isn't, but Lawrence Lawrence is like Ken. In order to live, you have to breathe in, but you also have to breathe out, and it, that's like. You have to breathe in God, but then you have to exhale God out to the world around you, and you can't really have one with the other. And so, to Jehemi's question, I would just I would just say, yeah, you do need to take care of yourself, but you also need to exhale. You you have to go ahead and share with others, or you will spiritually die as well. Mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're actually so connected; it's almost like it's not even able to be answered. They're just. And I, it's a weird way of saying, but I don't think it's it literally. I like the idea of breathing because it literally is. That's how life is. Yeah. We breathe in and we breathe out. And I don't think that that I would sit here because I don't know if we should use the word worry. And I, I know that it's uh, it's mentioned in uh, "Work Out Your Own Salvation with Fear and Trembling." Yeah. And I want to say, but. That I think the context of that is, is that that we shouldn't be so quick to judge someone right. else, right? And I think that's the that's the part here is that we're it's not about judging me or judging somebody else. It's about being able to say, life is about me being able to to drink good water and to share good water, and and to be able to make my choices about myself important choices about myself and then also realizing that in those smart choices about myself yeah. they include other people. So was it Deanna by chance who uh it might have been Deanna. talked to you about the uh, plane analogy? That might yeah you know it was. It was she, I don't think she talked to me I think somebody else told me that Deanna said that. So, yeah. yeah that's I think right. it was Deanna. I just saw that, that. Uh, her response was too down. She said I see the answer to that question is similar to why the adults put the oxygen mask before assisting others. So that <laughs> yeah. was Deanna, so you get credit. There you go, Deanna. Yay. You got the credit you deserve. <laughs> yeah. And in the same vein, we had Jem who said, "Follow up to Pastor Ken's answer to the question about pursuing my own salvation rather than focusing on the salvation of others. What if sharing God with others in love as his unselfish nature is represents another element part to how he works?" salvation in us mm-hmm. yeah that that's just like yeah. you said ken i, I think like that it. just follows up with what you said about we will go spiritually dead if we don't do that either right, right. yeah all right anonymous said perfect example of us not putting god in a box god will graciously judge each of us with love <laughs> thank that's, you and that's reassuring isn't it <laughs> that is reassuring yep, yeah. <laughs> that it's not up to us razan said regarding romans 10 9 would that not be suggesting that some action of ours could add to the grace of God that is freely given and not earned. Yeah, exactly. You, you can't add to what God's grace is, but right. a lot of us sure try hard. Hmm. And, and maybe if we tried a little bit more on sharing the water with yeah. the water, putting that, that might make it a little, 
it a little easier. I make it a little bit easier too. Just trying to throw a few helpful hints out there for <laughs> those of us who consistently need him looking at Mr. Me first. Uh, Corbin said, do you think Ricky Gervais, who is an atheist and thinks Christians are dumb for believing in God, will be saved? He lives a Christian life, but is an but is an atheist. Yeah, I I um make it a point not to ever comment on what I think about other people unless God has specifically said something in His Word about them. <laughs> yeah. So with uh, you know, one of the things I'd say is like when you look at people, it's really easy to say, oh, this person's really bad, or they're this, they're that, another. I don't know Ricky's story. I don't know if he's had incredibly bad interactions with Christians. I don't know if I don't know what's going on with him. And I certainly don't know. I don't think it's the good things in his life that are going to save him. On the other hand, I know he's a child of God. I know God loves him. I know God cares about him. And I know God wants him to be saved. So will he be saved or not? I don't know. And that's that's the part that I, I guess what I would say is I think there are people who are going to live a Christian, you know, live out a lot of good characteristics that don't particularly have, that they're doing them for selfish reasons. They're doing it for selfish reasons, and they, at, in the end, they won't resonate with an unselfish God, and, and so they'll be lost. And I think there are other people who are doing the right thing out of completely unselfish motivations— and just don't know who Jesus is. They've never been really showed him, but when they actually meet him, they're irresistibly drawn to him. Mm. It's that C.S. Lewis quote that we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so, you know, praying for Ricky, yeah. praying that uh, praying that he um, meets Jesus for real and uh, is able to find the reason why you'd want to live a life of love. Yeah, I, you know, to, for, to Corbin, I would say two things. Number one, I... I I agree with with Ken in regards to how we we hopefully we can pray for Ricky Gervais. But you know what? Um, the you know Revelation talks about lukewarm. <laughs> I think God does so much better with people who are hot or cold. Mm, yeah. And and if if Ricky Gervais is that, maybe he's got a passion to just literally. Do God, I think, actually can speak to him easier. Sure. So there's that. There's that piece, and I don't think God ever asked us, or He does, never asked any of His disciples, to protect him. That that was not why He had twelve men around him. They were not to protect him. We don't need to protect God from somebody who might say things against him. God takes care. You know, He can take care of those kind <laughs> of things. So I I love the fact that there are times when. You know, people may you know may have some very vitriol things to say, but you know, God God knows how to handle those kind of people. Look at Saul. The, yeah, you know what God doesn't ask. What God never asked for us was to decide who gets into heaven. He would just yeah. ask for us to to share the way. The way, yeah, to yeah. heaven. Yeah. That's 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 our job. That's good. Yeah. All right. Ella asked, "How do we provide a sound message, biblically based?" without being judgmental ourselves. I think if I, I you're think asking, maybe on this top on this topic I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh okay. And I think if you're um I think if you're asking that question you're already figuring it out. Uh, I think I think you can be biblical and still be kind in the way that you present your information and still be loving and cared about. We've all had people in our life that have told us difficult things that we knew we were loved at the end of it. Mm, yeah. And that and and usually that comes from, by the way, from the unconditionality of it. Like if there's a world of difference between receiving feedback on how to do your job when you know you're not going to be fired versus when you get feedback and you're not sure it doesn't mean you're going to get, get fired. fired. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's there's a world of difference in how you receive that information. When if you know you're not going to be fired, your tendency in most people will be to be, be much less defensive and more open to it. If you think you might get fired, then you're going to be very defensive when you receive it because you you've got to prove it's not right. And so I think that when we go about sharing the gospel with people and sharing biblically-based scripture with people, we've got to put them in a place where they they know that their response to what we share 
is not going to impact our friendship or our love for them. It's not going to. You know, there's so many people that 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 only share Christ with somebody, and as soon as that person makes it obvious that they're not interested in the message, then they're not friends with them anymore. They don't talk to them. They just they they ghost right. out of their life. That's not what God's called us to. God's called us to be invested for the long term, just the way He's invested in us in the long term. Humility yeah. goes a long way in your presentation. With and integrity. What, yeah, with whatever you know and whatever yeah. you don't know, and being honest with that too. All right, Sharon asked, the love of God extends to all. What can we change to include and love others? Is it our spiritual pride that affects us? I don't think that this, I think we're we're just called to love others unconditionally without judgment because that's how God loves us. And and when, if we say that pride gets in the way, then then maybe we feel like there was a sense of deserving on our part. It's mm. something we did. Okay. But I don't want to assume that. I don't want to read that into the question. Sure. But it, it you know, if there is a sense of deserving, like I, I was part of a group or I was part of a denomination, I was part of something that, you know, I deserve to get that, then yeah, maybe I would have pride about, you know, keeping that from Mm. being unconditional to others. Yeah. Pride tends to be the root of most problems. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. And this one, our final one comes from Nick, and it's a little bit longer. And Nick, I really hope you're listening. Um, I was in the chat along with you all and was praying for you on Sabbath as you were watching and uh, everyone was chatting in the in the text. And uh, just wanted you to know that I've been praying for you because you've been on my heart since that happened. But Nick asked, I would like to start out by saying, I know I am very fortunate and I have a very good life and I have created good friends and have a great family, but I have always had an emptiness in my heart and I know it is due to my faith. My question for you is, do you have any recommendations for someone that is lost in finding his faith? The feeling inside of me has never been so overwhelming and I know now is the time. So I don't want to overlook this feeling again, like I have in the past. Sorry for the long question, and I do appreciate your time or any advice you have for me while the feeling is still so heavy. Yeah, that's that's hard because there's a side of this that that is um, that is more of a it, it's kind of a grief almost like I've lost something or I haven't found something that I feel like I I should or that you know, I don't have something that everyone else has, has. Yeah, right? no, for sure. So there's that, there's that piece in all of this. And I, I would first of all say, Nick, that, um, you're not alone <laughs> in this. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times there are, there's a lot of people who have felt, I mean, I myself, there have been times where we have all felt empty in this or that our prayers didn't go above the ceiling. And and those kind of things happen, but he, I'm sensing what he's saying is yeah, he's never found it, or at least it's been a long time. So I would say at this point, faith is a gift from God. I believe that that is something that God bestows to all of us. But faith is one of those things where it's really so much more um, of a blessing with with. A community, yeah, and and so I would encourage him to reach out and find, you know, he was, I, I'm sure he'll find other people who have been going through some of the same thing alongside of him, yeah, and with him, is find you know find a sense of community. And I would say if you're local, Nick, um, man, I would love yeah. to I would love to see you here at Whole Life Church. Would love to yeah. be able to give you a hug and talk more about it and talk about maybe life journeys and see where we, you know, might have some yeah. some things in common or some things that sometimes just talking about it is uh, is helpful. But if you're not local, I would encourage you to keep uh, keep uh, hanging out in the chat room. We have a lot of people every week that love to lift each other yeah. up and pray for each other. And uh, you are a member of our community when you are online. And uh, that's why Stanley uh, was was chatting this week and we were all in, the, in there together because you are part of the family. So at least know that if you were looking for some up th- something uplifting, I hope you found it this week. And uh, and if you're listening in the podcast, and God answered that prayer, and that goes a little bit towards your building of your faith. Yeah, Nick, and I, you know, I know that several of our um, pastoral team have reached out, and we just hope that you'll reach back, um, yeah. yeah, and that we can have a further conversation with you because we um, 
you want to be there on your journey. It can be very discouraging. There's times where where it doesn't feel like God is nearby, and you're not. You know, I want you to to remember the story of the prophet Elijah. Um, he there's this massive miracle that happens on Mount Carmel, where fire comes down from heaven, consumes this uh, you know this sacrifice, and it's just this huge mountaintop moment for Elijah. And literally two days later, you find Elijah feeling like God is nowhere to be found, <laughs> running yeah. off into the desert, just just scared and lonely. And and God just gently talks to Elijah through that, and and in, in spite of that moment, he still God still sends a chariot of fire for for Elijah, mm. um, and so. My encouragement to you, Nick, is that um, we walk by faith, not by sight, and not by feeling always. Nevertheless, we want you to experience God. There is those moments when you have those feelings that that are very special. And so, you know, I hope that uh, that we can assist you on that journey that you're on. You're not alone. The best thing you can do is put yourself into a community of, of believers who can walk alongside you. Let you know that you are that you're not alone, and uh, and be there with you on this. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to skip everything else that we had planned. That was the end of our questions, and uh, we spent uh, two to one time on questions and comments than we did on any other speaking part this week. And that's perfectly great. The more the questions uh, that we go through, honestly, I think it was referenced in our anonymous person that sent the text who said, thank you for letting us ask those questions and uh, just know that that it's helped in their growth as well. So it's our honor to do that part. So next week, this upcoming week, we are question number two in Great Questions And this is, I hear questions all the time about the great difference between the angry Old Testament God and the loving New Testament God. So much of the Bible is poetic, metaphoric, and prophetic. If it was written by people with a variety of ancient cultures without benefit of scientific and technological understandings of today, how can we understand these inconsistencies? How literal should we take Scripture, Ken? Dun, 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 dun. Come to church this Saturday. <laughs> Whole life. Sounds like fun. 930 and noon. 930 yeah. and noon. That's it. Hey, if also if you have any questions and um, you just are thinking of them now that you're listening to the podcast, you can send them to 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Always want to make sure you have those. So join us next week where we will jump into the next great question. And if it's anything like this week, we'll have a ton more of your questions to go over. <laughs> so yeah, in the meantime, have a great week. Thank you.